It's good to be in the far north this morning. It's sh- the sun is shining, and apparently it's pouring in Auckland, and none of you are surprised about that at all, are you? No. It is really good to be up here. So uh, like Pastor Paul said, so my wife Jody, uh, we left Kerry Kerry this morning, and she went south, and I went north, and so she's taken Zach, and I've brought uh, my nephew Tyrese, who's at the back, and uh, my daughter Emma's somewhere out there. Hopefully, she's behaving herself. So it's uh, really good to be here this morning, and it's uh, good to see you. Man, just so many different faces. I was trying to work out when the last time I was actually here. I was here with Jody in November last year, so that's a long time ago, and I think I haven't been here preaching for probably 12 months, so it's like it's been a busy, busy season, I can tell you that. So I just want to mention the fact that last week, if you were here, we celebrated 30 years of Pastor Tark and Adrian being part of or leading Church Unlimited, and you would have heard some pretty cool stories, and you would have heard how they started. I'm trying to remember, there's so much going on that day, but he shared how they started, and basically from the the day before they turned up to... You were there, weren't you, Pastor Paul? Did you share? So Pastor Paul and Sally and have actually been there for 30 years as well. Did you mention that last week? Yeah. You think you didn't? We can't remember things anymore anyway. But um, so uh, my understanding is of the story is that basically the week before Pastor Tark turned up, there was 100 people in the service. The week that he started preaching, basically there was almost 200 people there. And within a few months, it had doubled to 400. And it, it, I think six months, a bit more, and they were up to 1,000 people. And God just really blessed it. And if I can go to slide two, um, God's really been speaking quite clearly to Church Unlimited this verse. And you've probably all heard it. This place is too small, 2 Kings 6 verse 1. And I really felt on the way coming up here that that wasn't, just a verse for Auckland. That was a verse for every campus. And I really do want to say when God prophesies anything to Church Unlimited, it is for every campus. And, and, you know, the truth is, if we can grab hold of this and start declaring it, that's what we're going to see here in Kaitaia, that this place is too small. And it's not too small as in we need to put more chairs out. I actually know, in my knower, not in my thinker, in my knower, you know, that God wants there to be two services here. And you're like, no, please, no. But, you know, there's that many people in the community that need to be in here. And that, that's God's desire. But And he's already prophesied it. I know out west we're already thinking of adding a third service in the morning. I have no idea how we're going to do it. Uh, but the truth is, if that's what God's prophesying, then we may not be seeing it in the natural yet, but we need to be seeing it in the spirit. And saying, God, this place is too small. And we need to be at home and in our prayer meetings and declaring, God, this place is too small. Because it will be too small. If you start seeing it and believing and stepping into it, you're going to start actually embracing it. And this isn't a growth strategy. This is some where I think we had four different people over the course of six months come and prophesy the exact same verse. Not the thought around it. Actually, 2, 2 Kings 6.1. Actually, speak it over that Church Unlimited. So we've got to grab hold of this because that's God's desire. And who knows this community needs to see God break out in it. Isn't that right? So I really encourage you, grab hold of that verse. It's there in the Bible. Highlight it, memorize it, and start praying it and declaring it because it's not about seeing this place get bigger. It's about seeing the community get connected with God. 
Now, one other thing that I really want to mention that it's something that we're trying to build on as a church. And when I say church, I'm talking about every campus, not just West, I'm talking every campus. And that is a culture of invite. And the truth is, is there are people, especially in this community, who have got a religious background. But it's somebody just breaking the sound barrier and saying, hey, why don't you come along to church with me next week? It's not going to be too scary. Hey, that music was fantastic. And you guys, fantastic. Man, I love seeing that. I'm like, I need to take a photo of it at the end and say, come on, Wes, this is what it should be looking like. Way more youth involved in, in the music team. So well done, guys. It was really good. And you'll just keep getting better. You really will. So it's, it's great things ahead. But, you know, this is a great place to bring people along on a Sunday. But if you don't invite them, chances are they won't come by themselves. And I think we need to have at slide one a revelation of the invitation. The truth is, if you've prayed for like five seconds, like um, what Alan Scott said at New Zealand and beyond, if you pray your best prayer, which could only be 10 seconds long, help them to come, that's a good prayer. And then go and invite them and say, hey, I go to that thing in Tiahu Center on a Sunday. It's called Church Unlimited. Do you want to come with me? They might say no, but they'll think about it and say yes the next time. They, but what might shock you is they might say yes the first time. But if you don't invite them, they probably won't come. And it's our job because we're the only God they're going to know. Well, not, I've got to say that right. Through you is the only way they're going to get to know God. And it's your hands, it's your feet, it's your words that are going to bring Jesus to them. So if you don't start asking them, they'll never come. I know it's a bit scary, but guess what? It works, and it keeps working. You know, and we've just seen it time and time and time again out west where people just start inviting people, and they're along, and then you do an altar call in their hands, and the person next to them is just shocked out of their skin that they've got saved. And all it took was just an invitation. So I really want to encourage you with that. Grab hold of 2 Kings 6 verse 1, but also understand we've got a part to play, all of us. We can't just pray. We've got to invite. And we all know people who used to be in church or should be in church. It was amazing last Sunday, you know, celebrating 30 years. And we said to people, hey, you should go and invite some ex-church unlimited people along to the service. Well, we actually saw heaps of them turn up. Why? Because people just invited them. It's the revelation of the invitation. So if you can grab that this morning, that would be awesome. Well, I do have a message for you this morning. And... Honestly, I didn't come to preach. I just want to be honest. I have not come to preach this morning because we hear so many good messages. But I've come to impart something of who I am. So I want you not to hear. I want you to catch something. Is that okay? Can we catch something this morning? Not a cold. I don't want a cold. But I want us to catch something this morning. So one of the verses that have stirred in my heart for a long, long time, actually... Before I go there, I just really want to say God is moving in our youth. And not just here in Kaitaia, right throughout Church Unlimited. It's so exciting to see what's happening. Uh, Thursday night, I was down at our youth camp down in the Waikato. So it's been a crazy few days driving all over the country. But just seeing God move in that place. We were in a hall 
a little bit like this, apart from no insulation at all, down the Waikato at night. So we're doing an altar call time, and people, the youth are up responding to God. And while they're there, all you could hear is sniffling the whole time, and they're all breathing smoke, you know, because it was literally, it was probably like four degrees inside the room at that time. It was just absolutely freezing. But they were so hungry for God, I think they stayed on the altar for about an hour. It was amazing to see what God's doing. And I hear great things here at Limitless. So just encourage you, keep believing for God to break out in our young people. Because, man, the future of the church is the generations to come. So you've got to keep praying into them. So a verse on my heart, and it's always been on my heart for as long as I can remember, is Psalm 69 verse 9, or John 2 verse 17. It's there in both of them. It says, zeal for your house consumes me. Passion. I want to talk about passion this morning. Let's pray. Father, today as we join around your word, God, and we've already been in your presence, God, and you're here so strong, I just ask that you impart something into our lives today. God, let us catch something, Lord, of you. God, let us be burning with something inside of us, I pray. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying individually, I pray. In Jesus' name, we all said... Okay, we do need a bit of crowd participation. If you don't know, I haven't met a lot of you before. Before I was a youth pastor and now a campus pastor, I was actually a PE teacher. So I don't like boring lectures. I don't like sitting down. It's not fun. So you guys need to get involved a bit or else I'll start asking for a bit more participation. Is that all right? Uh, you're meant to be, you go, yes, amen, we can do that. Oh, you guys are still a bit sleepy. Okay, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get somewhere. So I've been on staff uh, 14 years now. I, um, my family moved up from Blenheim into Church Unlimited 24 years ago. We moved into the church. And 24 years later, basically, we're all still there apart from the ones who have actually moved overseas. And so we're sons and daughters of the house. And really, this word passion is something that has been developing in me for a long time because I've caught something off Pastor Tark and Adrian, because I've been a child in the house. I've been a youth in the house. I've developed in the house, and now I'm part of the house and pretty much there almost every day, unfortunately, but it's true. But, you know, a passion is something that's inside of us. It's something that we're passionate about. And I am passionate about the church, not the building, but the people, because the church is you, isn't it? Oh, oh, there's some amens. That was good. You know, and we represent the body of Christ to our local community, like I've been talking about. I live and breathe it, the cause of the church, the advancement of the kingdom. That's what it's all about. It's a fire that's in my bones. And I just am so consumed by the fact that we have got something that our community needs to know. We've found the real thing that they're looking for, and they're looking for it in everything else but the one true living God. And there needs to be that passion that should be burning inside of us. And my question is, what is your passion? What is eating at you? What is grabbing your attention? What are you thinking about all the time? Because whatever it is, that is actually your passion. What is the fire that's burning inside of you? Is it money? Is it a promotion? Is it your reputation? Is it your image on social media? Is it your family? Is it your house? What is consuming you? Now, as a church, as Church Unlimited, we're kind of a passionate people, and I hope you are grabbing that. I know that 
you know, from, from Auckland, we look up here at the campus in Kaitara, and we really do see a group of people who have grabbed hold of the DNA of Church Unlimited, which is really exciting to see. Because really, that's what it's about, one church in many locations, and really running with that DNA. And actually, Pastor Tark, I don't know if you've got any books here, but Pastor Tark wrote a book called Wired for the Supernatural. And a lot of this message got confirmed when I had a, a guy who's, I guess he's been coming to the church about three years now. He said, man, I've just read Pastor Tark's book. It's amazing, man. It so captures our heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, I better read it. So I went and read it, and I'm like, absolutely, actually, this totally captures our passion and, and what it's all about. Now, let me be clear. Passion isn't the Hollywood passion that we see on the screens. See, because that's lust. No, a passion is something that goes deeper, it is stronger, and lasts a lot longer than that. Now, some people are a little bit more passionate and more zealous for things than other people. My son, Zach, who's not here, he is a very, very passionate boy. He gets passionate about anything and everything. Like, it's just crazy. All of a sudden, uh, it was about four weeks ago, uh, one of the young guys at church took him across the BP and got him a hot chocolate because he was at church miles early. And he saw these little cards, and they, the guy bought him these cards, and all of a sudden he wanted to collect those cards. Well, that's actually the fourth lot of cards that he's wanting to collect because he's got soccer cards, he's got rugby cards, he's got Weetbix cards, and there's one other card. He just gets passionate about them. It's crazy. You know, he was passionate about these little matchbox cars, and every time we went to the supermarket, he'd just be begging and begging to buy them. I'm like, no, it's just this is just crazy. You've got so many of them already. And then, I don't know if it's been up here, but Beyblades, these little things that spin around, oh my goodness, oh, just obsessed with it. You know, he just gets passionate about the randomest things. But, you know, some people like that, but we need to have the passion in the right place. And my question this morning is, where is your passion? Is it in the right place? Because passion actually is important, and you've got to have it. And it can't be in the wrong place. Some people have their passion for the blues. That is the wrong place to have passion, isn't it, John? It's the wrong place to have passion, especially this season. I can't wait for it to be over. I mean, some people are so passionate about soccer. I can't understand it personally. I mean, Zach is playing soccer and he's really passionate about soccer. But like a 1-0 scoreline, boring. I can't, you know what I'm talking about? But we get passionate about the craziest things. You know, I once heard about a guy who, oh, was there that blues supporter up there? That guy? I mean, if you ever watch the Blues, which you shouldn't, but if you do, because we are in the Blues category, uh, catchment area, you know, this guy's always there just crazy supporting the Blues. There was once uh, a cricket supporter, I can't remember his name, and this was when the Black Caps weren't that good, you, you know, the Black Caps, the New Zealand cricket team. Well, he used to be an accountant, and basically he worked so he could travel around the world, I think his name was Sonny, and be at every cricket game. Every New Zealand cricket game, five day, you know, and he'd be there waving the flag. If you're old enough, you'd remember the guy. And he was just nuts about New Zealand cricket when they were useless too. But, you know, he did everything he could just to go and support the cricketers. Man, find somewhere to put your passion. You know what I'm saying? Find something worth getting passionate about. I mean, at least get passionate about your family if it's not going to be God or, or something. But if you turn to Revelation 2, 
there's a passage here that I really need to grab, and I need my Bible for this. I hope you, who's got their Bibles this morning? Okay, Revelation 2. You need to have a look at this because this is quite important. Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 2. Probably many of you have heard or read this verse before, but it's really important for us to actually see it. So Revelation 2, verse 2. And this is talking to the church in Ephesus, and this is a real church. This is not a made-up church. This is a real place. This is what really, it's in red letters in my Bible. So this is what Jesus is saying. This is what God is saying to the church. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and that you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Man, I'm like, that's a great church, isn't it? Wouldn't we like that said about church in limited Kaitai, that we're all of those things? And then here's the big one, Never, nevertheless. That's like but. Whenever there's a but, you just ignore everything before it because it just wipes it all out. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Verse 5, remember. So these are two important words. You have left your first love, not lost. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and come to it quickly. Or, um, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, for me, I really got challenged about my passion because I am pretty passionate about God. And, you know, I really am in church pretty much every day of my life because it's just what happens. But I got really challenged by this lady, Natalie Tapora. And she came to church or oh, West Campus uh, maybe about six months ago now. And can we have that photo up? Is that right? And um, you'll see her here, and something doesn't quite look right. That's because she's completely blind, and she's been blind. Some of you may have heard her. She's been on TV and stuff. She's been blind since birth, basically. She's got the most amazing, amazing voice. And we got her to come and um, perform for us uh, one night at church. But what challenged me wasn't her singing. It was during worship. She was there, basically on the front row, and it was unbelievable. So straight away, she comes in, and she's got no idea what the room looks like. She, she's completely blind. She probably kind of can get a sense that, you know, there's a you know there's probably 800 people or something there. But she's on the front row, first time there, and she's standing there. We start the first worship song. Maybe it's Limitless or something like that. And she is jumping out of her skin. You know, like she's just going crazy. You know why she's going crazy? Because she's passionately in love with Jesus. And she doesn't care what what everyone else is doing. I mean, she probably caused some people to start jumping, but she was passionate about God and she didn't care. And she couldn't see if, that everyone was just standing there clapping like that. You know, she, she was just madly passionate about God. And so first two songs, praise songs, she was jumping out of his skin. And then he got to the worship songs and first the worship song started and straight away she drops to her knees, just straight away. And then the second worship song, she's literally lying prostrate, on the, straight in front of the altar there, just lying, doesn't care about anyone, but she cares about Jesus. You know, I'm just like, wow, how challenging is that? And for me, you know, I'm now actually 38. I'm getting old, getting really old. And I know. And, and I'm thinking, I'm, Sunday night, 
We've got some pumping music. We've got stuff going. I don't care if none of the youth are jumping. I'm still excited about God. I'm going to set the tone because we need to be passionate about the thing that really matters. And I'm saying we need to get our passion back because it's really interesting what, what's said in that verse, isn't it? It says, remember. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen because you have not lost it, you've left it. The passion's still back there. Where is it? And, and, and you, right now, you'll be thinking, well, what, what's he meaning? Well, when you were passionate about, what were you doing? When you first got saved and you were crazy about God, what were you doing? What were the things that you were doing? Were you getting along to prayer meetings? Were you early for church? Were you actually praying every day at home? Remember, because it's still back there. You've left it. it maybe, maybe it's still there, but if you're not as passionate as you once were, if your first love isn't as strong as what, what it once was, you know, just like when you get married, all of a sudden they talk about the honeymoon period and, and you know, some people's honeymoon period lasts, you know, two weeks like mine and Jody's and then it was all bad. Um, but some last for two years, some last even longer. I've got somebody down at West right now and They've been married five years, and now they're having a humdinger of a fight, and it's like a, just a, it's a shock to them. I'm like, is this your first fight? Yes. I'm like, get over it. <laughs> I'm compassionate for them, but it's what it's like. You know, but, you know, when you're first passionate, it's there, but you've got to keep it going, and you've got to work at it in marriage, in family, but in God. And what this Revelation 2 is saying is, hey, it's there. You've just got to go back to it. What did you do? What were you doing? Go back and start doing it. Go back and get that passion again when you're just crazy about God and worship. Where you don't care that you can't sing a note in tune like me. You still sing loud because you're excited not about the singing. You're excited about the person we're singing to. And I think we so lose the focus of what is this all about? We're not here to do church. We're to worship Jesus. We need to grow in our relationship with God. Isn't that right? And we, and we lose that focus. And I am so challenged. I've got to get it back. I've got to get back to that place where I'm just absolutely crazy in love with God. Now, what really challenged me was I was looking in, in Paul with Paul and Saul. And in slide nine, we've got Paul versus Saul. And why did God choose Saul? Because he chose Saul and then change his name to Paul. Do you know the story? You know, well, why did he choose Saul? He chose Saul because Saul was a crazy, passionate man. And he saw that passion and went, I can use that passion. And he changed him. See, in Acts 9 verse 1, we see Saul was so passionate, he's willing to kill Christians because he's, he believes the whatever he believed. And he said, they're going against what I believe, so I'm willing to kill people for the sake of what I believe. And see, God looked down and said, I see that passion. I see your heart. I see your zeal. I can do something with that. And so what did he do? He grabbed hold of him. He struck him blind and did all that kind of stuff. And then we read in Romans 1, 14 to 17, that Paul is that passionate for Christ that he's willing to die for the gospel. See, I believe God is just looking. He's looking for people and saying, where are those people with passion? You know that Blues rugby player, uh, supporter? I reckon God's looking down and going, if I could get hold of that guy, he'll probably do something for the kingdom. 
He's not going to sit in church and hardly clap his hand and leave his hands in his pockets. Or any, you know, he's going to be passionate and zealous for God. And I'm saying that's what it's about. It's about realizing that we've got what's real and we need to do something with it. We need to go after it. We need to run after it. You know, for me, when I was really getting challenged about this, one thing that I did when I was young, and I'm meaning right from, I think I was about 12 when I first started fasting, and I was really, and it's been something that's been part of my life ever since. And it's still been part of my life. And Church Unlimited, we really believe in fasting. But when I started getting challenged about this personally, I'm like, what do I need to go back to? And probably for the last eight months, I've been adding much more fasting into my life, into my regular routine. Why? Because I want to get that passion back. I want to get back to that place where I can't say, I've left my first love, I've got it back. And I'm not reading Revelation 2 and saying, oh yeah, I've lost that passion. No, actually my passion's back as much as it ever was. And the truth is it can be the same for you. But you have to go back. You have to remember what you did. What are those things that you're doing? You know, were you reading your Bible half an hour every day when you first got saved? What were you doing? Were you just walking around the streets and when no one's around, you're just praying all the time. But now you're just listening to music and you hardly even talk to God. I don't know what it is, but you need to find it back. You know, I've personally had a revelation. You know, when people get saved, they first get saved, they're crazy about God. They're really excited because they've found the true thing that they've been looking for. I love that. I love seeing them. I love talking to them. I love hearing them. And I reckon what we need to do is we need to get them and we need to put them in a little area in the church. Because if we start talking to them, then we might infect them with bad habits. Like, oh, you actually don't need to read your Bible every day. Oh, no, you don't really have to go to that prayer meeting that we have on a Thursday night at 5.30. No, you don't need to do that. I reckon we need to get these new Christians. We need to hide them from the rest of us because we might water down their fire. You know what I'm talking about? You understanding what I'm saying? You know, because when they get saved, they're like all out. And then they find the rest of us. It's a bit ouchy, but it's true, isn't it? But that is the truth, that if we've really found Jesus, if we've found the Jesus that loves us, that died on the cross for us, was laid down his whole life, and we've found the answer, the reason we were created, we should be a little bit passionate like that blues guy. We, we, our worship should be crazy. Our, not crazy as in bad, but crazy as in non-Christians are walking past and coming in because, man, there's something happening in here. But it starts in here. It doesn't start in the room. It starts in our hearts that we have to go back. What is that thing that you need to go back to and find and get passionate about and start doing again? Maybe you need to lock yourself in your room and actually go, I'm not going to get out of my room until I've really prayed through and I've seen some breakthroughs. But it's not just God that we have to get passionate about. You know, sometimes we need to actually get passionate again about our marriage and our family and say, I'm going to really invest into it again. You know, I'm really going to spend that quality time. For Jody and myself, we aren't the best parents in the world. I don't know if anyone really is. You know, you always think you could do better. But, you know, we know we've only got, we've got two kids. That's more than enough for us. But we're the only parents that are ever going to know. So we've actually committed, we're one year into five year, a five-year course that happens once a month, every month for the next four, well, four years. We've already done one, so five years in total. Why? 
Because we need to be the best parents we can be. And we need to be passionate about that role of being parents. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we just lose that focus that actually we need to be the best grandparents we can be. Because we have a responsibility that God has given us to be passionate about the things that is coming. And I want to say your passion can come back. But you've got to go after it. You've got to go and find it. You've got to go and seek it. You know, Ezekiel 22 verse 30, it's not on the slides, but I love this thought. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap. Here's God saying, I was looking for someone with passion. I was searching the whole place. I was searching all of Kaitai for somebody with passion. But what does he say? But I found no one. Don't let that be true of here. Don't let that be true of, man, I found no one. Now, I'm just going forward in my slides a bit. And one, this is slide 10, 1 Timothy 6, verse 1 and 3, uh, 1 verse 3, 1 Timothy 1 verse 3 says, I urge you, when I went to Macedonia, stay there. Stay there. See, this is young Timothy. He was seeing something good happen. But Paul had to tell him, hey, stay. Sometimes we want to run away. We want to get out of the situation. Oh, man, I'm not feeling it like I used to. Man, you know, church used to give me tingles when I worshipped, when I raised my hands, but I'm not getting the tingles anymore. See, the problem is you're looking at saying, why is it not happening for me? But you're actually going, God, what, have I, what am I not doing? Paul here was having to say, Timothy, you stay there. Stay. Keep doing. Keep serving. Stay in your marriage. Stay with your kids. Stay and go and find that passion again. Don't run away because the feeling's not always going to stay. If you've been married like many years, you know the feel. it's not about a feeling. It's about a decision. It's about a commitment. And that's when true passion, not Hollywood passion kicks in. True passion kicks in when it's no longer a feeling but a decision that you keep going. You know, you know what I'm talking about? My question this morning is, is that passion still there for you with Jesus? Are you looking for the feeling? Or have you got a decision that doesn't matter, I'm going to be zealous for God. I'm going to be hard out for God. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life because I know He's the truth and I'm going to keep doing it. So how do we get this passion back? Well, Revelation 2, I keep saying it, we have to do it. Now, I want to say, if you're hearing this message, oh, great, I'm going to go home and say, God, give me passion, please. Let me tell you, it's not going to work. You've got to do those things again. It's not, oh, God, help me find some fire again. No, you've got to start doing the things that you used to do. Does, is that clear? You've got to start doing it. You've got to do, you've got to start fasting again. You've got to start praying again. You've got to start dusting off the cobwebs and the dust that's on the top of your Bible. You've got to start reading it again. You've got to start getting to a small group and start surrounding yourself with other Christians that are encouraging you. You don't pray, God, give me my passion back. No, you've got to start doing those things again. And, and see, if we can capture that, we've got to do it. It's not... Christianity is not a sit and meditate relationship with God. It's a doing relationship. 
It's a with us every day relationship. It's going out there. It's making a difference in the community. It's about serving. It's about doing and bringing change. You've got to practice passion. You actually got to practice. Passion comes through practice, through doing, through keeping on doing. And see, right now, right in this room, there's probably 50 different things that people are thinking about right now. I need to do that again. Well, let me tell you, that is the key. I'm not telling you what you need to do. You already know what you need to do because you can remember, that's what I was once like. And the question is, to get that passion back, to get that first love back, you've got to start doing it again. And doing it the same way as in with the same fervency, with the same desire, with the same energy. And yes, probably we're all a lot older than what it once, once we once were, but it's worth it. Isn't Jesus worth it? Isn't he worth getting completely sold out for? And see, that's my take this morning. If we can get passionate, people love passion, passionate people. They won't know Jesus, but they'll see something in you that they'll go, I need that. And then they'll come and find it. But if they look at you and go, man, I don't want that. We're the worst advertisement for the kingdom of God if that's what we're like. But actually, we should be the best advertisement because we've got something that's real. I want to finish on that thought. Let's go back to, to Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you if the bank had come. That you have left your first love. You've left it. We've left it. I've left it. Remember there from, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. I don't really just want to sing me and Emma if those guys keep talking. You guys need to help me because I can't really do it. This morning... That's my challenge to do. What are you going to do? What are you going to do this week? I know for myself what God is saying to me that I need to do and keep doing because that is where that passion will come and come back again. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you've never been as passionate as you could. But you know what? It starts by doing, not praying, by practicing. By doing what God's asking you to do.